Greetings folks, welcome to part 2 of my conversation with Senegalese journalist and Chevening scholar Borsotal. So if you haven't listened to part 1 yet, I highly suggest you do so and finish with this current episode. Now, very important things happen inside that courtroom and we, we have to thank people like Fala Fleur for updating us. And one thing that came out was the statement of Dr. Gay, who was the gynecologist who consulted Ajisar on the day of the supposed rape. And the day after the trial, one of the you know main newspapers in the country reported that there were traces of of sperm that were you know taken and and analyzed and that was according to the gynecologist dr alfusen gay and then the mm-hmm. same day the doctor came out this was mm-hmm. on may 24th with mm-hmm. a written statement in which he denied saying those things that the newspaper l'observateur so l'observateur is the name of the newspaper and it is uh, a newspaper owned by singer and songwriter yusundur who is very close to the regime and i want to just read a couple of paragraphs short paragraphs from <laughs> the statement and it goes yeah. as follows it's in french but bear with me Suite aux propos relayés dans la presse, on m'attribue les propos d'audience selon lesquels j'aurais confirmé la présence de spermatozoïdes dans les prélèvements de Adjissar lors de son premier examen gynécologique réalisé le 2 février 2021. Je tiens à apporter les précisions ci-après. D'abord, un spermatozoïde n'est pas visible à l'œil nu. Donc, un examen physique ne peut en aucune façon en établir la présence et encore moins en conclure à leur état de mort ou vivant. And the statement continues. So, he's basically saying that there is a newspaper that is putting stuff in my mouth, saying that I said in court that there were, when I performed the exam, traces of sperm and none of that happened. If I can summarize the statement now as a journalist who (laughs) like you mentioned earlier Uh fake news has been quite clearing the space right throughout Mm -hmm. the case but also for the last couple of years when it comes to songo ajisar what do you think of that why are there so many fake news around um, the case to a point that you know somebody like dr Guy will have to come and make precisions and, you know, deny the allegations from the media. So as a journalist, what do you think of that? And how should we combat the proliferation of fake news? Your question exposes me to sort of have a certain view of local journalists here, uh, which I try to avoid because there is a reality Uh, that my, I might not uh, fully grasp uh, that they face themselves uh, when it comes to covering the news. Um, and I try to also respect the, you know, just the whole corporation. Um, but there is a fact that next to the truth 
or next to what is proven to be the truth, there is a lot of fake news. And that unfortunately, uh, many of the um, uh, newspapers try to in the I think it's in a uh, just in a concern to share breaking news. I think that's how I want to view it. You know, just wanting to share breaking news. They may not take the time to fully check or double check uh, what the news are. Of course, it's obvious that some outlets are also in favor uh, of one party over the other. It is quite obvious. Uh, but I would like to focus on the fact that um, fake news are very close to truth. But the truth always comes out again. If it's not the journalist showing it, it's the uh, internet, the people online mm -hmm. showing it, whether they're in Senegal or in the diaspora. You understand? Mm -hmm. And just like you were mentioning about the uh, medical certificate from the doctor, um, there was technically there's only one. And that's of Dr. Alfuseni Gai, mm -hmm. who stated on that document that there is no proof of sperm coming from or belonging to Sonko. Mm -hmm. And that was key in this case. But that said, there was also another document that came out saying that, you know, the sperm could belong to uh, Usman Sonko. Just to say that, you know, it's easy to make a document. It's yeah. easy to forge. <laughs> it's it's very easy to forge nowadays. It's a very easy. Signatures are out there. You know, uh, names are out there. It's very easy to have a document multiplied and given another version, you know. But the fascinating, again, the fascinating part in this whole process is that next to that fake news, the person who can address the truth can make a video and talk about the truth. And that's what Dr. Alpha Senegai did. You know, he quickly mm -hmm. uh, debunked that mm -hmm. fake news and just said, this was not me. This was not my signature. This was not my, my, my uh, conclusion. And mm -hmm. that I remain constant in the fact that I'm quoting him in the fact that you know, I only, uh, I did not see anything from Sonko or belonging to Sonko, right? You know that there were so many other uh, documents, just no, not even documents, just news, just passing by uh, mm -hmm. very quickly on social media. Yes. So as journalists, to come back to that role we play of fact-checking, uh, we have to be very careful about what we share, about how we share it, and also uh, pay attention to the audience that we have. You know, because everyone is following. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, fake news is just we have just we, we just have to live with it. <laughs> we just have to live yeah. with it. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is important, that precision, uh, because for two years since the case started, people, especially from the, the government or who mm -hmm. are close to the regime, came out mm -hmm. on TV, radio, social media telling us that, the exam found uh, traces of, of sperm, but also telling mm -hmm. us that there were videos and all those stuff. So all that misinformation was being mm -hmm. circulated. We saw that the past week during the the protests or the uprising, a lot mm -hmm. of fake news coming from mm -hmm. some of the the people on social media. I wouldn't say they mm -hmm. protested, but this was mostly things you would see on social media, for instance, they were talking about, mm -hmm. oh, RTS, the TV station, the national TV station mm -hmm. is burning, mm -hmm. calling people to go towards RTS mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. like that. But it was totally mm -hmm. fake, 
right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that also in no. itself could fuel um, more violence. In, in, in this I mean, the, in the role that we play as uh, media people, media professionals, I think one of the first things is to remain calm uh, in the face of everything that happens and just make sure that we have the right information and we need to double check and not fully uh, focus on what we see online and consider that as news. We have access to people. We can talk to people. We can uh, interview them very quickly. It takes a minute if you have the contact to call somebody and say, you know, an authorized voice, of course, of whatever agency we are seeking um, to talk and ask very quickly. In today's world, with the technologies that we have, with the, you know, possibilities that people have to debunk any fake news, uh, it's just uh, requiring patience and just be able to jump into opportunities when they come while being extra careful because if you have one truth, you have five fake news. Now, all of those things happen mm -hmm. during the trial and inside the courtroom. Mm -hmm. And, but the verdict finally came out a week after the trial. So on June mm -hmm. 1st, and it mm -hmm. was a very quick verdict. I think the whole thing lasted mm -hmm. 20 minutes. The judge came mm -hmm. and said, uh, Sonko was guilty of corrupting the youth. Mm -hmm. The rape charges and the death threat charges were dropped. Basically, the verdict says that there was no rape, there was no death threat. And unfortunately, it confirmed what many, many, many people, not to say the majority, knew all along that this could be an outcome of a political conspiracy orchestrated by people who were close to the regime. After the verdict, right after, I think maybe a couple of hours after, violence erupted in Dakar and Ziganshore, but quickly mm -hmm. it spread mm -hmm. across the country. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, several people died. Officially, the official numbers given by the government was 16. But after mm -hmm. the official numbers given, which was maybe mm -hmm. last week, so this was mm -hmm. in, after two days of uprising, of protests, 16 people were mm -hmm. officially reported dead. But Amnesty mm -hmm. International came exactly. out mm -hmm. and the gave uh -huh. a different count. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the opposition also, including Passive, gave also a different mm -hmm. count. Amnesty says 23 mm -hmm. people were killed during the protests. Mm -hmm. And many of them mm -hmm. were shot and killed mm -hmm. by either the police or the armed military that we call Nervi. We discussed the mm -hmm. Nervi in my, on my podcast, but yes. we, we can explain you know, who they are later. Because there was also mm -hmm. another instance when the national police came out on TV to denounce mm -hmm. the protesters, saying that they were armed, you know, they were using firearms and things, and showed pictures and videos. But quickly, like you said, the magic of the internet, internet users fact-checked the statement of the police in the video and debunked their statement and the narrative that they were trying to vehicle. But in addition to that, the international media 
Al Jazeera in particular and France 24 also did the same fact-checking exercise and debunked the narrative of the police. Those videos that they showed were not protesters. Those people were working alongside the police. And this has been a serious problem since the advent of Sall in power. People who are super close to him have invested millions to buy pickups and weapons to give to civilians in order to attack protesters and break protest movements. And it's a serious problem. That is the news that's uh, very much circulating uh, for the past few weeks. But before we get to that, mm-hmm. allow me to go back to the uh, court decision uh, and uh, how it went from a two-year, t- a two-year-long case of rape to a period of, or to a decision of youth corruption, you know, to convict Sonko. That mm-hmm. it's very important to come back to that yes. because um, I think Ajisar was under twenty-one when the uh, when she accused Sonko of rape, and uh, in that specific case, uh, and in the absence of proof to convict Sonko of rape, okay, after two mm-hmm. years of mm-hmm. uh, accusations and even death threat. Uh, the just the 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 just the 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 judge just removed all the um, accusations uh, and uh, instead uh, placed a another um, law uh, that would uh, help convict Sonko and that is youth corruption. Another charge. Sonko was was sentenced for something yeah. he was not charged of, basically, or at the very of. beginning. But the judge yes. has the judge has that uh, ability. To uh, to seek another, I mean, he's the judge, you know. He can see other things um, that maybe were not put on the table at the very beginning. Uh, and so, at the very beginning, like you're mentioning just now, rape and threat, death threat, death yeah. threat was on the table. At the end of it, with no proof, even if the lawyers were not there to speak on behalf of Sonko because he was absent, uh, there was absolutely no proof of those two charges. Yes. which ended up being dropped. Uh, and just, uh, I think the penal code, and I, I I know that the penal code under the article 324, okay, has this uh, paragraph in the article 324 uh, that pretty much explains how uh, the debaucherie was found or the corruption of youth was found uh, in this context. So Adisa was under 21 when she accused Sonko of rape. And so in that context, Sonko was the adult and Adisa was the younger person. And whoever sort of destroys or disturbs the morals or, you know, corrupts the moral of a young person in a sexual way uh, is uh, can be um, uh, sentenced to uh, two to five years and even have a fine of, uh, I think, between 300,000 to 4 million. I'm just reading now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I was searching, just to be precise. So Article Article 324, Paragraph 2 of the Penal Code, punishes with penalties whoever makes an attack on morals by executing, favoring, or facilitating debauchery or the corruption of youth of either sex, whether you're a boy or a girl, at the age of under 21. Different from the uh, Article uh, 320 of the same penal code, which concerns minors under the age of 13. 
So there is a difference in the codes that are used. And the one used in favor of Adisar to convict Sonko was 324. And in that context, Sonko was, convic uh, was convicted of two years instead of five, which is the maximum uh, sentence. Two years is the minimum. Two years in jail uh, and a fine of, uh, I think he was given 600,000 sefa. That's still a lot of money. He was given 600,000 to give, but that's less, much less than what Ajisar was asking. Yes. You know, uh, much, mm. much less. And that, you know, as a woman analyzing this with you, it hurts. But putting my emotions aside, because it's it's always, uh, you know, rape is something very, very sensitive, mm -hmm. you know. And so to see uh, a person accusing someone, a woman particularly, and this takes two years to be uh, concluded. More than 20 people died from the moment of the accusations, you know, because it, it, it the people fought at the time uh, in 2021 uh, to protect Sonko. You know, other people fought to protect Adisar. And so it was this whole process we went through as Senegalese people and as the diaspora, just watching all these things take place to come to an end and see that no rape was happening, never happened. There was no rape, okay? Uh, there was no death threat. And to come back to this conclusion of youth, uh, of corrupting youth, it completely weakens women's rights. And that's what is painful in the process as a woman uh, watching this happen. Women now, and I mentioned it in 2020 when, in 2021, when the case first um, rose, mm -hmm. arose uh, to the public, I mentioned it in uh, co-writing um, co in the Post, in the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. uh, it was important to highlight the fact that this risked silencing from other victims of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. You understand? And we've seen it this year. We've seen it as we were trying to figure out whether Sonko was uh, guilty or not of rape. And as the results came out and people were fighting to protect him or protect his eligibility for uh, the presidentials in 2024, as all this is happening, there is a man out there who is now identified and who is, I think he is even arrested or, yeah, I think he's arrested Mm -hmm. who raped 
um, more than 20, 27. At first they said 27 and now they're bringing it over to 35, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, or even more. Young, young women. Young girls, yes. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. this whole rape case just covers everything else that is truly also going on in the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when women see, Im imagine younger people see Adisar Sonko as a fake rape case. Fake meaning at the end of the day, at the end of two years, actually, the judge decides that this there was no uh, rape and mm -hmm. there was no death threat. What will that woman who goes through real sexual assault feel? Mm -hmm. But given the situation, given the context and how it all unfolded, to this day, women are at risk of not being heard mm -hmm. when sexual assault hits them, mm -hmm. and that is the uh, the the uh, another very unfortunate outcome of this rape case uh, that actually uh, was concluded as a uh, youth corruption. Yeah, you see what I mean. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, again, the youth corruption is mm -hmm. uh, is very clear in the penal code. It's very clear. And uh, given that Agisa was uh, under the age of 21 at the time of the case, of, of the rape or the allegations of rape, and uh, given that Sonko was the adult at the time, and even surprised that they did not find him for getting out of his house during COVID. You know what I mean? I thought that was going to be a part of it, part of the sentencing. Just Just to tell you, that anything could have been, you know, um, found in this case just to convict him. Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Because it was during COVID time. It was during 2020. It was during the COVID that he was said to have stepped out of his house to uh, benefit from uh, Ajisa's um, massage skills. So it was during COVID. And given the curfew, there was a, a fine, you know, if you're caught... Um, but uh, he out. was he because uh, he it, was an MP. He had an immunity. He could leave. Yes. Uh, technically, without any problem, even if he yes. was arrested, his status as I an agree. MP gave him the right you. to leave to come and go. I agree Just like with, doctors I agree and people who are essential workers. So that made yes. Him, at the time, he was an MP. So that made yeah, him more uh, essential protected. Exactly. Yes, I yeah. agree. But I'm just uh, mm -hmm. making that highlight probably because. Anything could have, I mean, had that not been the case, they mm -hmm. would have probably used it against them. Yeah. Because everything was tried, you know, mm -hmm. to uh, to put a sentence on him. Yeah. So the, you know, the whole rape case, uh, it was very unfortunate to hear so many, I mean, no children, no even younger person, when we consider morals, okay, should have been in court at that time when the lawyers were talking. You know, and yeah. uh, just basic, complete disrespect to women, you know, and, in the and, sexual and, form, and, talking yeah. as if it was just objects. I'm just I'm just crying all this out uh, and just <laughs> getting away from my uh, journalist, you know, uh, side simply because it uh, it hits hard to see all the heritage that we received as women in this country to fight for our rights, to see them just just weakened by a rape case that did not exist at the end of two years of fight and uh, a lot of hurt in the process uh, to the populations. Yeah. All and right. to Sonko's family. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it became clear, like I said, to mm-hmm. many of us that Senegalese, that this was politically motivated. And mm-hmm. now the question is, what is going to happen to Ajisar and to Sonko? Because Ajisar was not satisfied. So she appealed today. She, she, yeah, she appealed. Yeah, uh, Nehadi, for that. Yes. Yeah. Nehadi, nobody's satisfied <laughs> with the verdict. Sonko <laughs> yes. is not satisfied with it. Nehadi mm-hmm. also appealed um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of this week. So we because she was see, also sentenced. Yeah, to, to two years. Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, so we will see how all of this will will unfold. Okay. Yeah. But While now I want us to talk that, about it triggered. Yeah. Yes. It triggered a lot of anger from the population. True. It uh, from triggered. people. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to now focus on, like okay. the outcome mm-hmm. of the uprising. Twenty-three people, according to. Amnesty International uh, mm-hmm. or Amnesty West and Central Africa. So mm-hmm. the director of Amnesty, uh, Samira Dawood, made a statement. And I want you, Borso, to listen to the statement with me. It's a three-minute long video where mm-hmm. she talks about... And Samira Dawood lives in, in, in Dakar. I think the office of is in Dakar, West so and Central Africa, Africa yeah. is located in Dakar. So she's also somebody yeah. who's close to uh, the events uh, happening currently in Dakar. So I want us to listen to her quickly and then come back to the conversation. The authorities Senegalese have suspended access to the internet via the réseaux mobiles and have cut the signal of the television channel for several days without explanation. Ce sont autant d'attentes euh, aux libertés. Elles privent les citoyens sénégalais de la possibilité de pouvoir accéder à une information plurielle et aussi de pouvoir s'exprimer librement sans crainte. Depuis au moins deux ans, l'appareil de police et judiciaire s'est engagé dans une répression assez féroce et systématique contre toute forme d'opposition ou de critique, que ce soit des représentants ou des membres de partis de l'opposition, que ce soit des acteurs de la société civile ou encore des journalistes. Euh, ce sont des centaines de personnes aujourd'hui qui sont euh, détenues de manière arbitraire simplement pour avoir critiqué l'action gouvernementale, critiqué des décisions de justice qu'ils estimaient partiales ou simplement pour avoir mené leurs activités politiques. Et les personnes qui ont été arrêtées et, et qui sont aujourd'hui détenues de manière arbitraire doivent être libérées. Nous avons documenté les cas de au moins 23 personnes qui sont décédées au cours des cinq derniers jours, euh, essentiellement tuées par balle. L'usage de la force est très réglementé. La force ne peut être utilisée que si elle est nécessaire et elle doit être proportionnée. Et l'usage de la force létale en particulier ne peut être utilisé qu'en dernier recours. Les autorités doivent absolument enquêter sur les cas de ces morts durant les manifestations. Et elles doivent aussi mettre fin à l'impunité, puisque euh, il y a plus de deux ans, 14 personnes avaient été tuées lors de, des événements de mars 2021. À ce jour, l'enquête n'a absolument pas progressé et les familles euh, attendent toujours d'être entendues par un juge. Comme en mars 2021, nous avons pu observer à travers de multiples vidéos qui ont circulé sur les réseaux sociaux et que nous avons pu authentifier des individus en civil armés s'en prenant violemment aux manifestants ou même aux populations, euh, parfois euh, avec euh, des armes à feu. Ces individus ont été filmés 
coopérant en présence, euh, voire en collaboration avec euh, les forces de sécurité. C'est une pratique qui est évidemment totalement illégale. Des enquêtes doivent être menées, ces personnes doivent être appréhendées et les responsabilités doivent être situées. Des personnes arrêtées par les forces de sécurité ont été utilisées comme boucliers humains pour dissuader des manifestants dans le cadre d'affrontements violents, euh, de poursuivre les affrontements. Cela est évidemment euh, totalement proscrit par le droit international. Il est indispensable de rappeler aux forces de sécurité qu'elles n'ont absolument pas le droit d'utiliser les populations comme boucliers humains. Leur rôle est de protéger la population. Nous demandons aux autorités sénégalaises de restaurer les principes fondamentaux de l'état de droit en garantissant une justice indépendante et impartiale qui dise le droit, en garantissant le respect par les forces de sécurité des règles en matière d'usage de, de la force et en garantissant le droit à la liberté d'expression et à la liberté d'information. All right, so, yes. to summarize mm -hmm. Amnesty International's, you know, uh, statement, uh, Samira Dawood mm -hmm. highlighted five main violations mm -hmm. that has been going on, but that was especially noticed during the uprising. Number one mm -hmm. was arbitrary detentions. So mm -hmm. journalists protesters, mm -hmm. politicians, members of the opposition, especially PASTEF folks, uh, hundreds of them, I'm saying hundreds, have been arrested. Some are in prison and others are being electronically monitored. But she also mentions excessive use of force and that they counted 23 fatalities and Essentially, all of them were shot and killed by the police, meaning that the police has been using live rounds against protesters. But she also mentioned uh, the presence of armed civilians. So those are the nervi that we were talking about. So these are armed civilians, armed by people who are either in the government or uh, pro-regime people so they have very sophisticated equipments firearms pickups right and we we know for a fact that the opposition in senegal doesn't have a lot of money to provide that kind of equipment to 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 people like we're talking about dozens of pickups and you know firearms mm -hmm. and i listened to matter musa job last night mm -hmm who was talking mm -hmm. about having evidence. Musa Job used to be uh, very close to Maki Sall uh, until they had the fallout uh, a few years ago. Um, yeah. And he said he has evidence of weapons that were purchased by the palais, the palace. Mm -hmm. And as we know in Senegal, the palace does not have that prerogative to buy weapons. So who was ordering those weapons? For whom? Where are they? Are those weapons in the hands of these militias or the Nervi? So those are questions that we don't have answers to. But Musa, Matthew Musa Job said that also in uh, that interview, it was on ITV, that he has constituted a pool of lawyers and they are 
investigating and bringing those evidence documents to to court here mm -hmm. and outside of Senegal mm -hmm. to clarify why those uh, why those weapons. She also mentioned uh, Samira Daoud silencing of the media and the people by cutting mm -hmm. the internet because mm -hmm. for the first time in Senegalese history we've seen the internet shut down completely shut yes. down mobile internet especially mm -hmm. completely shut down for days in 2021 it happened it happened but it did not last that long right mm -hmm. but in 2023 last week it took a very long time and it affected the economy pretty badly mm -hmm. because people could not withdraw money especially the fact that it happened meaning the trial and the verdict the, the verdict uh, came out on june 1st which is mm -hmm. the end of the month a lot of people got paid they needed to go get their salaries use their bank card and the internet was completely shut down so for days they could not withdraw money and it affected families it affected economy the economy pretty badly you also have uh, corporations or businesses like Wave, the money transfer company. Their business was very much affected. People could not. And, mm -hmm. and today in Senegal, people make a lot of transactions using Wave. They don't carry cash anymore. Many people don't carry cash. They pay with their phones. They use Wave. So mm -hmm. they couldn't buy things at all. They couldn't pay for things. Mm -hmm. Right? So... You also mentioned earlier the silencing of Walfadri, mm -hmm. a media group that tends to be rebe very rebellious vis-a-vis uh, -vis the government. It didn't start with Maki. They were like that during Wad, even during Juf. Okay? So these are things that we saw that unfolded during um, the uprising. And today, like you mentioned, F. Venkat, which is a coalition of civil uh, society organizations and political parties, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. they were banned from peacefully protesting at uh, Obelisk Square. And mm -hmm. tomorrow, you mentioned that because I saw a statement that said tomorrow's protest was not allowed either. But I would yes. like to come back a little bit to the report. Yes. Uh, if you allow me. Okay. Of course. Mm -hmm. So Amnesty International, especially uh, the West and Central African office, is asking for an independent investigation. Uh, like I explained earlier, uh, a lot of uh, work has been done debunking every fake news online. Uh, and all that, all those proofs were also sent under request to remember uh, Maître Branco, is, who is the French lawyer uh, oh, so to cool. uh, uh, mm -hmm. exactly. So he, even if he's not allowed to enter the country from the last trial, he uh, has a very much uh, still attention. He still has his attention on the case and has requested, has requested um, evidence. To people, mm -hmm. evidence to share evidence with him and uh, all that collection plus other people collecting for uh, their embassies, uh, the, the, you know, the, um, the Senegalese, uh, not, not the Senegalese, but if you are of a of another uh, citizenship, they went and told their authorities. You know what I mean? People like were just people, trying to find yeah. 
mm-hmm. all the ways possible to talk about Senegal. You understand? And uh, Amnesty is the latest one to give a report uh, on this um, to talk about uh, Red Cross did, uh, I think, uh, mention all the injured and the killed. Uh, but Amnesty is the one with the clear, um, with the latest uh, numbers. Uh, and like you say, according to them, 23 people died, Dakar, Ziguinchor, uh, mostly. Uh, and some were shot dead on the spot. Others were found dead mm-hmm. uh, after they were arrested, you know. So families were interviewed, people they knew were interviewed, etc., etc. And again, people on their own took up their videos, their cell phones, and just videoed a testimony, you know, a uh, and shared with the world. So all that put together uh, shows clear evidence of uh, violent demonstrations. Also, uh, it kind of shed light on um, who is responsible for that because you mentioned the militia groups civilians with with weapons there is no way those weapons could have been given to civilians if there was no trace of it and hence the investigation that needs to be done you know mm-hmm. uh the silencing of of the uh the press you know basically everything we talked about to this moment was just summarized by amnesty's report uh, and now we are at the stage where um, international attention is uh, caught. I even did a uh, an interview on CNN. Uh, also did several others uh, with BBC. You know, and just that's the English part. Other colleagues uh, have done, uh, and on Al Jazeera as well. Um, other local uh, journalists have given this uh, have been given the floor. Uh, to address the issue on, you know, on other platforms and so on. So basically what we need to understand of this entire repression that's been taking place is that what we have not seen in Senegal is now taking place. Civilians with guns directly shooting at protesters. Videos are here. Uh, Investigation must go on. And I think the evidence is so clear that investigation Mm -hmm. will go on. Yeah. You know, and, and some responsibility will be found. When yeah. will that be found? We will see as time goes. But um, it's the first time that in Senegal, uh, this level of uh, uh, threat and, uh, you know, this cas de figure um, takes place where uh, civilians are literally armed and shoot at people who use, like I said on, internet, on CNN, who use rocks, in certain areas, there are some videos where they use cocktail Molotov. Molotov. That is also yes. seen. You know. <laughs> That's but true. The, and you know, we're laughing at it because now the, 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 the unfortunate side of all this is that you know how we used to be so scared. I think uh, Nicholas Hack in his reporting last mm-hmm. time on Al Jazeera mentioned something very important. He said that uh, the, the Senegalese saying in Wolof which says uh, that uh, Senegalese people are afraid of blood. You know, it is true. It is very, very true back then. But now it's Mm. been so normalized. It's been so banal to see uh, bloodshed, you know, to see uh, people being killed under your eyes and just or injured to a point where you see a lot of blood that I watched this video where uh, people were chasing the police forces with cocktail Molotov Mm-hmm. And the people were just laughing in the video. Those filming it were actually happy, laughing at 
the violence that was taking place. And that mm -hmm. was not Senegal, uh, you know, for most cases, this very peaceful, stable country in West Africa. So that tells you the level of change that's been undertaking, you know, that's been taking place in Senegal uh, for the past two years, because we need to take it all the way back to 2021. Yeah, unfortunately. The other important element that needs to be mentioned is also the fact that, I mean, the, the policing is so abusive and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. violent in itself that sometimes, you know, I mean, it pales compared to the mm -hmm. violence of the protesters. Seriously, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, like you said, these people only have rocks and, you know, sticks, sometimes Molotov cocktails. I mean, now you the know, term I... Molotov cocktail is the, the <laughs> it should be the term of the year in Senegal. It's the most widespread term that people use. But also but you know, the other thing is, watching. yeah, people have joy watching that. But people are being arrested and sentenced to very heavy, uh, given very heavy charges for those cocktail Molotovs. Yeah, Sering very heavy sentences. Is one of them. Yeah. You know, Sering Barangay is accused of uh, plotting uh, those cocktail Molotov and 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 organizing uh, field um, strikes, manif you know, uh, protests, protests and whatnot. We just have this uh, these strategies from both ends, both the demonstrators, okay, and the police as well. Uh, another very unfortunate uh, part that we haven't mentioned is the human shields. That's what I was seen, about to say. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. You know, the human shields, uh, it's clear in the videos that the young man and the younger person, the child actually, uh, who were in the arms of, uh, in the hands, uh, at the hands of the uh, police forces, was not there at all in peace, you know, and that we could see rocks still coming towards him, towards both of them. Uh, from the people, from the demonstrators, until they realized that the police forces were having these people stand ahead just so that they could stop uh, the rocks from coming to them. Because obviously when people realized that these, uh, the young person and the young adult were uh, at risk, they stopped throwing stones. We could see that in the video as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, this is extremely dangerous for the image of Senegal, who is uh, one of the first countries. First of all, he's, uh, Senegal is one of the um, architectures of human rights uh, drafting in Africa. You understand? Uh, and so all, all um, uh, human rights uh, um, mechanisms were pretty much signed and agreed on by the Senegalese government, uh, the different governments that came through. So seeing this happen here, is a clear uh, show of just democratic setback, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and mm -hmm. restricting the right to information is another big problem because whether it's local news or international news, 
uh, restricting the right to journalists for sharing information is just a clear sign of you know human rights uh, violation on the population because obviously if you want to hide what's going on it's because something is actually taking place you know what i mean whether it's arbitrary arrest uh, excessive uh, use of force you know just uh, human shields like we mentioned um and just civilians being armed and shooting at the populations so mm-hmm. all that if you don't want to show it that's when you restrict the right to information and that's when you arrest journalists because yeah. you do not want that to happen. Yeah. And even if um, the, 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 the investigation is going on, just seeing how the press is treated is a sign of something going on. Yeah. You I mean, now I mean? It, is, it is clear that um, this, this government has violated so many basic human rights for, you know, its citizens. And... Um, the other interesting element is also we saw the presence of the army uh, in the streets of Dakar, mostly. Uh, for the yes. most part, they were uh, protecting certain public and private infrastructures because, again, mm-hmm. protesters targeted French businesses. So yes. Auchan, Total, Orange so were targeted. But yeah. they went beyond that this time, actually. I've seen small businesses being targeted. The university. Yeah. Oh, the university we oh. cannot forget about. Yeah. They, Le Temple du Savoir. they mm-hmm. protesters, but... students set uh, on fire segments of uh, the law school and the school of journalism. Journalism, SESTI. But you know, they were I also symbols. the symbols. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they attacking the symbols of the government. They were attacking the symbols of exactly. the government. Meaning, and 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 the, the injustice. They, mm-hmm. You know, if they attack the law department. It's because they don't believe in the justice system anymore. Anymore, yeah. And if they and if they attack Sesti, it's because they don't trust the local news who seemingly were very quiet at times when the news were to be out there. You know, it's interesting because when that whole thing was unfolding, I was watching Mm -hmm. TV, seeing, Mm -hmm. trying to see which TV was showing the images, and they were Mm -hmm. all airing religious programming and music. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with with that, but it was just interesting. The Mm -hmm. only one doing it was Walfajri and... The next minute, they 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 cut off the signal, right? I'll tell you this. But and the this also is, yeah. there's an interest. Mm-hmm. The other element is, I in Gejewai, where I'm from, mm-hmm. I went to because since protest movements is part of my research, I went to talk to protesters. I went to a part of Gejewai where protesters were trying to attack and burn down the courthouse, which is between Gejewai and Pekin. And the mm-hmm, current mm-hmm. the current minister of interior affairs, Antoine Jom, mm-hmm. used to work yes, at that courthouse. There. And exactly. they were dead set to burn down that courthouse, mm-hmm. which is again they attacking now the symbols of justice mm-hmm. slash injustice and you know the partisan journalism. And exactly. that in itself is is quite quite interesting. Yeah. But, you know, the partisan journalists uh, that you just mentioned, I would like to, and again, honestly, I am not uh, taking sides, but some truth has to come out of that experience, watching 
local news uh, showing something different than what was actually taking place. Um, you know, overseeing West Africa and having uh, monitored um, Burkina Faso, monitored Mali, you know, monitored other countries where, um, you know, civilians have experienced many state coups, etc. Whenever something bad happens, local news do not show it immediately. They just wait until the news at 8 p.m. or at 1 p.m. in order to talk about what happened. And usually it is from the communique, the official communique of the government. You see what I mean? So this is not a uh, something that just happens to Senegal. Mm -hmm. It's almost everywhere uh, where we've seen um, chaos take place or where we've seen you know state coups take place. Before you reach or in order to reach the right information, you have to literally chase after people, call them in order to get the right information. But mm -hmm. it's not from the TV or the radio that you will get it. Or yeah. if you do have it, it's the official narrative. And it is late at night or during the official news, um, breaking news hour. You yeah. understand? Yeah. But coming back to and, that, it is mm -hmm. obvious seeing what wealth went through or is going through with all the signal cuts that obviously maybe other local news are reluctant yeah. you know, to show mm -hmm. something. They don't want to be wealth. Yeah, they don't yes, want to be. Yes, it takes a lot of. It, it takes a down. lot of um, willingness to do it in order to do it and face the consequences. And courage. Wolf yeah. has, it takes courage. Wolf has, and Wolf is facing it. Mm -hmm. And the population is trying to protect Wolf. And whenever that happens, again, Wolf has a number of followers online that is far beyond the expectations when their signal is cut. Yeah. And you know, you know what is uh, but... unfortunate <laughs> is I just saw that they are actually going to uh sack some some people who work at wolf because of the cuts they cannot you know afford um of course yeah to pay their mm -hmm. employee and that there is a campaign to mm -hmm. for one million senegalese people to donate a mm -hmm. thousand cfa and mm -hmm. give wolf one billion cfa to save wolf and from that's... you know going under mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's also where the that's also where the international press comes in place and comes into play, you know. Not having the local press talk about what's happening. The international press is here to talk about it, and that's what they've done. You know. So I do not want to put the focus on why they did not do it. I want to put the focus on what would happen to them if, if they, they covered did it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, should they cover and uh, face the signal cut? Okay, and all the consequences that will come. You just mentioned uh, employment, you know, being cut, um, uh, you know, work being drastically reduced, et cetera, et cetera. Should they face that or should they face um, uh, the reality of sanctions and just face it like Wolf has? Maybe not every outlet can do that. I have no idea. But what I'm trying to say is, there is there there has been a very close um connection between the limits of local news and the potential of uh, um, uh civilians who are online and the power they have and the ability for them to reach out to the international press especially with social media now and just have everything out in the news for the world to see 
in all truthfulness, I am sure that um, the limitation was also done. I'm not saying for everyone, but I do not want to focus on that. My focus is what the right question to ask is, how limited is the local press in the uh, practice of their journalism? Mm -hmm. You know, and avoid putting them putting avoid putting a uh, in the same box the journalist on his own on their own and the press house they belong to because yeah. if your editor says don't write this or don't talk about this unless you want to lose your job there's nothing you can do about it So interesting. Yeah, it is. We could talk about this, you know, for another two hours. Mm -hmm. And and unfortunately, we can't, you know, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, the only in the other interesting thing that that I guess I will mention here before we conclude is that Makisal, President Makisal has not made any statement yet. He has not addressed Mm -hmm. uh, the citizens yet about what happened, despite, you know, more than two dozen people uh, losing their lives and all the material damages that was sustained by public and um, private businesses, he still mm-hmm. hasn't spoken. So he went mm-hmm. to see the the Khalif General de Murid, the Caliph of the 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 Muridia, and uh-huh. it is announced also that he might <laughs> go to Tiwawan and talk to the caliph of the the Tijanya. So uh-huh. generally, when things like this happen, you have religious leaders who will step in, even before it happens, who will step in exactly. and try to I... bring you know the diplomatic uh-huh. side. In 2021, uh-huh. it happened, and uh-huh. this time also he went to Tuba. Now, what is interesting is there are reports out there from the local press that said that Makisal gave guarantees to the Khalif that he will not run for a third term, but instead he will request a two-year extension on his current term so that he can finish some, you know, rebuild the country and finish some projects and stuff. These are reports. We don't know if they're accurate or not. Exactly. So we have to be careful. Yeah. On so that. we have to be careful, and, um, and we'll wait and see until he comes yes. out and exactly. make a public I think, statement. I think the only thing, if the only thing is to just wait for Makisal to say something, 
because he hasn't said anything about anything at all, whether third term or what's going on uh, personally. I mean, not his uh, spokespeople, but just him, an address to the nation. I think he plans to do it. That's what it is. Uh, it 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 is um is said that he plans to speak to address the nation following the um, dialogue, the national dialogue that he initiated, uh, and it which was launched. Um, the day I think within those verdict. days, yeah, the day before the verdict. You know, so that dialogue, uh, the opposition party, some of the opposition party uh, do not. Um, approve of it. The populations, uh, as expressed uh, online and uh, the people I spoke with, uh, do not approve of it uh, because they say that they cannot simply imagine a national dialogue without the presence of Usman Sonko, who is, who is under uh, illegal uh, house arrest right now. But be, before even the verdict was out, the idea of having a national dialogue without the main opposition party present without uh, the release of all the people currently in detention and without uh, the justice uh, cleared for um, the people who died uh, from 2021, you know, without uh, having uh, a cleared uh, sentencing of those who are accused of those uh, crimes, etc., etc., And even just have answers to the death of, you know, uh, some of the, you know, those two soldiers, uh, etc. Uh, just the whole list, is, the list is very long. So the opposition party, as well as those who support them, say that they cannot imagine a national dialogue unless all those boxes are ticked for democracy, for justice, and just to be on the clear side that from now on, this will not be repeated. So a national dialogue was launched the day before the verdict. Uh, there is a huge generational gap that we observed uh, at that national dialogue. Most of the people who were there were in their 50s, late 50s, 60s, to even 70s, while the median age for the Senegalese population is 17.8, if I remember, or even let's say 18 years old or 19. You understand? So all that put together kind of brings just a a difficulty to understand the steps that are being taken by the government in the process of bringing peace back in the country, you know. So, and the Khalif, like you said, that they are meeting, those very Khalif and their representatives came to the to the government and spoke about peace way before we got to this level. They way did. before. Yeah, they did. Yes, we remember the Khalif of Kaulak, uh, who expressly uh, went to the palace to meet Makisal and discuss the issues, and was just given the answer of let's let let's let the law handle the business. And now the law has handled it. There's no rape. There's no death threat. There's corruption of uh, youth. Uh, people just don't have a clear understanding of what's happening. Are they sentencing Usman Sonko because he's guilty of something, or are they? cutting him or trying to cut him because he's a real potential for the presidential elections in 2024. And those answers can only be cleared by the president himself. Yeah. Only Makisal can come out, address the nation and say whether or not he's going to run for a third term.
Yeah. There has been some release of people in detention, but that goes simultaneously, okay, with more arrests. So you don't know if they're making efforts to release people or if they're arresting people more. You see what I mean? So the yeah. same, it's like a, uh, it's like a, uh, a, a, a game that's just being played. One moment you feel, you understand or you observe uh, some um, things taking place to bring peace back. The national dialogue, the release of all the young people that were arrested um, uh, in the past few days uh, with the presence of their parents, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the respect of the law, the respect of human rights on that level, you know, being being minor, uh, being minors uh, who are arrested, just like the adults, et cetera, et cetera. To just having the same uh voices for the opposition party arrested you know and just uh seeing all this unfolding not still not releasing or allowing usman sonko uh to go uh on his own wherever he pleases and his family as well uh just to not lean on those rumors that uh the khalif of uh, tuba has uh said anything about this case but to just highlight something another uh news is circulating or rumored that uh, Usman Sonko was offered the same uh, possibility to meet with the Khalif, except that he is asked to go under the supervision of the police forces, which he refuses by saying that there is no way he will go under uh, any other protection but his own. You understand? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but that's just, again, I do not want to step on that because I'm one of those people who talk about checking facts, and that's not um confirmed yet so i have no idea uh, where that comes from or how that will unfold all, all right. i'm saying is mm -hmm. uh bomba we can sit here and talk about this all day at the end <laughs> yeah. of two years <laughs> at the end of two years of doubt uncertainty death strikes angry uh population Protest, frustration yeah. protest uh businesses closed uh Uprising. businesses completely disrupted uprising, children not going to school or seeing their education, you know, uh, disrupted over the two, past two years. At the end of all that, we see Adisar, a woman who accused Osman Sonko of rape, being denied, okay, uh, what everything she said and mm -hmm. clearly being told that what she said were lies. You understand? Mm -hmm. And now what is to come of her? Only heaven knows. You understand? And what is the image that gives to women in Senegal and in the region in West Africa or even Africa or the world? Because everybody's watching. Everybody. What does that tell women, okay, who actually are going through sexual assault? What does that tell them? Where are we going to go with that? How far have we come as a country to see children being used as human shields? How far have we come as a country to observe so many human rights violations take place in just a few days, to count more than 20 people die, you understand? Uh, in the arms of people we have not even identified yet, or the authorities have not identified yet, you understand? And all the fake news around, everything put together is just another series of, of uncertainty coming up uh, until 2024. So... That's how um, things are uh, understood right now uh, in Senegal, in the diaspora, for the people I spoke with. Um, the feminists uh, groups are completely silent, you know, or silenced, I should say, uh, now because uh, so many of them believed in Adisa and fought for Adisa. 
to see this debunked, okay, legally, and uh, just giving another narrative to what might have happened between Adisa and Usman Sonko. What is to become of the fight for women? That's my main question. You know, the whole silencing of the press is just a question of time because the press is not silenceable, if I can say that, you know, uh, the way that it is uh, said. If you cut their signal, they will come online and have more people follow them. Yeah, that's it. We will conclude on that. Normally, you know, I would ask the fun questions. Top three places, <laughs> top three dishes, top three uh, mm -hmm. novels. But we did that on the previous, you know, on part yes. one and part two. So mm -hmm. thank you very much, Borsotal, for coming on the podcast and uh, talking to me about the current uprising in Senegal. It's always a pleasure um, to speak with you. And I hope that uh, you will come back on The Africanist to talk mm -hmm. more about the situation as it develops. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much, Bamba. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. And on that note, I will give you rendezvous for another installment on social protests and social movements in Africa. In the meantime, stay safe and healthy. Africa. <laughs>